Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Carlson. Yes! Carlson. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who sometimes just have to laugh when you get so many injuries in fantasy that it's like, you know, when Logan Thompson went down, I thought to myself, man, that stinks. When Mark Stone was announced to be out long term, I was like, ugh, brutal. When, when Matt Barzal got hurt yesterday at the start of the game, I just thought to myself, this is just, this is just lols. I'm, I'm having fun now. I want more of my players to get injured. Uh, and, and with me to discuss this philosophical idea and much more as we break down everything that's going on in the world of fantasy hockey is my very good friend, the fantasy hockey robot. I don't think I said my name. I'm Elon Dubrowski. And the person with me is the great Brian Com. Brian, how you doing? I'm good, Elon. Hello to you. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And that's all that matters, right? That we're having fun. That's why we're still here. That's why we ever did this whole thing in the first place. But yes, it toys with our emotions. And remember to welcome those emotions, invite them into your heart, deal with them, uh, have a meal with those emotions. And then remember, like, let fun win the day. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But by the way, actually, really quickly, um, a PSA for tomorrow is uh, games start at one o'clock. This is Monday, so I don't know when everyone's listening to this, but there are games at one o'clock. I know it's family day in Ontario. I don't know what it is like anywhere else in the world, Uh, but there's games at one o'clock, there's games at four o'clock, and there's games at seven o'clock. So if you haven't, if you're listening to this before then, you haven't yet made your ads or set up your lineup or whatever, go do that now. Yeah, you know, that almost like concerns me when we do a show and then the games on the next day are starting super early because it's like it's so little time for our advice to like be prescient before there's like new data and new information and everything we said starts to go out the window. So and at least for the next, what is it, like 18 hours or so, what we will say will be the most up-to-date news and notes and hopefully we'll get some predictions correct here. So the plan for today's show is as followed. I was like looking at the box scores of the games on Saturday and figured like pretty much all the fantasy relevant things I want to talk about can be encapsulated and what happened in those games. I'm just going to go through some box scores of some games recently for each team and then kind of bring out what I think the interesting notes and nuggets were. And so that's the plan for today's show. And of course, before we get into that, let's just mention quickly that Keeping Carlson very proudly presented by DauberHockey.com. I'm using, to go through these scoreboards, I've been using the fantasy hockey scores on Frozen Pools and it's uh, really great. They, they, like so much data in this box score, I think better than anywhere else. So, and plus when you click the player, you get right to their Frozen Tools like page which has all that information which you need and the line combos and everything else so it's really it's really great frozen pool is a really good site uh, i keep saying frozen pool or frozen tools it's both okay they both work and uh, dauber hockey also has all the great articles so it's it's a, a whole that whole brand they're doing a very good job and we're very proud to be presented by them dauberhockey.com but okay brian let's get into it like i said we're going game by game i want to start with yesterday's game on saturday the toronto maple leafs destroyed the montreal Canadiens five to one the leafs are actually playing again today 
Uh, so that's already a little bit out of date in terms of the most recent Leafs game. But uh, now Toronto is currently losing to Chicago 3-2 after the second. But looking back at yesterday's game, that was the first game of recently acquired Ryan O'Reilly in a Leafs uniform. Nolachari, who has also been acquired in a recent trade, uh, in the same trade, uh, is playing his first game today. And he's actually scored a goal. So far, it's one goal Achari, no goals Ryan O'Reilly. Though O'Reilly did have an assist in that game on Saturday. He was playing on a line with Marner and Tavares. So pretty good because a lot of people were thinking that maybe Ryan O'Reilly is going to be better suited to be a third line center, which is very good for the Leafs as they're trying to come up with their matchups against the Tampa Bay Lightning for the first round of the playoffs, but maybe not so great for his fantasy value. But as far as things are going now, it's hard to argue with someone playing center with Marner and Tavares on your wings. Matthews, Nylander, and Bunting stay together. Uh, The Leafs have also been running the typical power play without Ryan O'Reilly on the top power play. There's not really much room for him when you have Matthews, Nylander, Marner, and Tavares, and then Morgan Riley as the quarterback. I guess you could go with can. They could do 5D. They can barely even fit Riley on there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, then I wonder if Bunting or Ryan O'Reilly, who would have the upper hand there? But hopefully for the Leafs, they won't have to find out. So anyways, of course, forget about Callie Yarncroc or whatever, like random line two guy. Now the Leafs have six really good top six guys, kind of like the Ottawa Senators, right? There's like no room for anyone else, except actually the Sens ended up actually going trying to do a top nine. I don't think the Leafs are going to do that. Anyway, Ryan O'Reilly actually on a four-game point streak since returning from the injury that kept him out for around a month and a half. Uh, we'll see if that streak ends today he doesn't have a point uh in this game against chicago with one period to go brian are you interested in ryan o'reilly now as leaf he's had such like a down year he's been so useless he was dropped i got him as a free agent in the cupful at one point kind of recently now he's traded to toronto i feel like i guess i need to hold on i added him for a good st louis schedule this week uh, but go- now going to next week i don't know i like his line placement but also if he's not on the top power play he still fe- i don't know he still feels kind of mad to me yeah i think ryan o'reilly is Still meh. I think that's a really great way to describe him. He was on this little roll on his way out of St. Louis. He had a three-game point streak going, which was basically the best production that Ryan O'Reilly had offered all season long. We actually had a question on our Discord server where someone was like, yeah, you know, I, I streamed him in. I wasn't expecting to hold him, but... Now that he's on this little run, should I hold Ryan O'Reilly? And we're like, yeah, I guess you could wait and see what happens. And then what happened was he was dealt to Toronto. And now he's in this new situation, uh, like you said, Elon, where O'Reilly is on a good line. But I, I really see even on like playing with Tavares and Marner that O'Reilly could still like I, I feel like maybe even on that line, he's just an Alex Kerfoot type. Right. Or a Callie Yarncroc. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he's probably in a better position, like more likely to be in this like spot in the lineup for extended time. Unlike Jan Kroc, who you can never really rely on. (laughs) Sorry, I I keep interrupting you. It's so rude. But like people are saying that maybe he'll go to be line three center. I don't even know if he's any more likely than Jan Kroc to hold that spot. For sure. But for the moment, until he's off, like I'm I'm getting to that, too. But like O'Reilly for now is in a good position for his isn't Kerfoot comes and goes also. I I like the Kerfoot comp better than the Jan Kroc, maybe because it's a centerman as well. Uh, Like, the upside for O'Reilly is there, but even last year, okay, Ryan O'Reilly had a 60-point pace, but based on the way he arrived at those 60 points, taking into account, like, assist-heavy and with uh, not a ton of shots, he was barely above replacement level in our Cupful scoring. That's the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, kkupfl.com, to see all the details. Um, And the year prior that uh, O'Reilly was a 60-point player, he was an 80-point player, uh, but he's st- and he was above replacement in that case in the cupful. But 
I think he probably ranked on the low end of values in terms of 80-point players. And O'Reilly shot almost 20% to get up to 80 points as well. So I don't expect to see a whole lot of really great production. If you're in a points-only league while he's on the second line, yeah, I'd fill your boots with O'Reilly and see where this goes. Uh, His production has dipped the past couple seasons because St. Louis, in part, has flattened out their deployment across lines. They've rolled them more evenly, sharing the load. That's not so different in Toronto, except it's definitely a top six in Toronto instead of the top nine that O'Reilly's been a part of for much of the last couple years. So yeah, I see O'Reilly as being this, this Kerfoot Plus type IMO where he is going to probably produce similar to Kerfoot, maybe has a bit more upside. But as you already mentioned, Elon, as we move closer to the end of the season, I could easily see Ryan O'Reilly being used as a third line center. Like the second line center could be the welcome wagon and the red carpet rolled out for our, like, welcome to Toronto, Ryan. We're so happy to have you here. Come win hearts and minds of our fan base by producing with Tavares and Marner. And then when crunch time comes and we want to get ready for our first round series with the Tampa Bay Lightning, we're going to really need you to shore up that third line checking role. Yeah, so I think we're both in agreement. Not too, too exciting. Obviously, like if he's available in free agency, and it's a somewhat deep league. You could stream him in, but maybe not someone that you need to like guarantee you're going to hold. Norm brings up a good point in the chat. Maybe the biggest fantasy relevant thing here is that if John Tavares is playing wing, he might get wing eligibility, which would be huge, right? Because he's been center only forever. Could you imagine if you could all of a sudden get dual eligibility for Tavares right before your fantasy playoffs? That could really open up some flexibility for you. Uh, some more things about the Leafs. Matthews is back. He was injured for a bit. He had a golden assist versus Chicago a couple games ago, two assists versus Montreal. He's very good. Not too much to say about Austin Matthews. Still pointless in this game today against Chicago. Uh, Here's a fun fact. Going into today's game against Chicago, the Leafs had three players tied for point pace. Uh, Nylander and Marner, both 65 points in 56 games. It's a 95-point pace. And then Matthews also with the same pace, but but fewer games. I'm seeing today, right now, William Nylander has an assist on a Tavares goal, which means currently William Nylander is leading the Leafs in points. And I think in... If you look at fantasy drafts going into this season, I'd imagine that Matthews and Marner were going pretty well above Nylander. Now it's looking like there's a very good chance Nylander will end up being the team's leading scorer. Obviously for fantasy, uh, Matthews might still end up being a lot more valuable because of all his extra shots and, you know, depends on your league's categories. But in terms of straight up points, Brian, how do you think these three will rank? Or let's say points per game because Matthews has missed games. But like by the end of the year, who do you think is going to have the highest uh, 82 game pace of these three? I don't I, I don't know, Elon. Like I, I think I'm gonna go Austin Matthews, who, you know, is is struggling his way to a forty-three goal pace this season. He hasn't been totally right through the year, but it's been good that after he took those couple games off, he had five goals in his next five games. And now he's been a little quiet again. He had a, a maintenance moment before the all-star break too. So I yeah, I like. I, I still don't know that he's absolutely at 100%, and I think the Leafs are going to go easy with him. Like, I already sort of cheekily mentioned that the Leafs are playing the Lightning in the first round of the playoffs. This is basically, like, one of the most preordained matchups we've ever really seen. Like, it, it's set in stone. And it's like, been set it, since, like, December, too. So it's yeah. not even cheekily. It's like, we know it. Like, the Leafs are clearly yeah. making trades so that they can match up against Tampa. 
Yeah, they're they have they have both teams have four months to prepare for this playoff matchup. So it's it's going to make it interesting to actually watch when it happens. But it also it's kind of boring to see, you know, as as we said, like it it's fun to have a little drama, uh, and we're not going to get that. So I wonder how often Austin Matthews plays down the stretch, especially if he's not a hundred percent. You know, I'm sure his managers are eager to see if Matthews can find that level of dominance he had last year. After you know, now that he's sort of on this kind of load management schedule for the time being. So we'll, we'll see. I, I still have to give him the benefit of the doubt, Elon, but William Nylander, I'm glad you brought him up. Like he's good. Remember in our draft, I was considering it, like the draft we did a couple weeks ago, I was considering him up there with Mitch Marner. He's earned it. Uh, if you're asking me to predict, I am going to go status quo. I'm just going to go Matthews, Marner, Nylander, but Nylander has definitely demonstrated that he's up there with both of them. And I, I think you could say it's uh, it's even odds between the three. Yeah, I think it is pretty close to even odds for just actual points. And in terms of fantasy, I think like Nylander should have been drafted ahead of Marner for our couple rankings. Like Nylander just shoots so much more. Uh, I think their points are going to be similar. Nylander's the one playing with Matthews. He's really like breaking out. It's really funny to think back to when Leafs fans were like so upset with him when like he was holding out for a contract. And now he's like has this really nice value deal for a guy Wasn't- that's above point per game. Yeah, it wasn't even just when he was holding out. Like, when he was playing, he was, like, just the media loved to... He was the whipping boy for, well, I don't know, maybe being European was one reason he had a target on his back, but no one liked him. He was always thrown out in trade offers, and yeah, now he's he's definitely gotten his come up comeuppance in, in a positive way. Um, I'll throw out, Elon, just one more concern about Austin Matthews. Just seven shots over his last three games, and... Uh, limited minutes oh sorry but one of those games is happening right now against chicago so i can't uh i can't <laughs> i can't count that over uh at all but his minutes are down in the last couple of games before this one so so far he's played 11 minutes against chicago the game started an hour ago so that seems like a healthy amount but we'll see if he's uh being used to the the full extent if he's seeing the minutes he's used to seeing and if he's shooting the amount we expect him to shoot yeah. Okay. So uh, Matthews, we'll see. I mean, uh, you did an anti-jinx on David Pasternak like a month ago when you mentioned he had low shots and he went off for, for a ton of shots in the next few games. Hopefully you just did the same for Austin Matthews uh, for his managers. Uh, I'll bring up the goaltending really quickly. Samsonov was sick for a game and Joseph Wall came in on Saturday for that win against Montreal. Played really well, stopping 29-31 for the win. Brian, who is Joseph Wall? And I'm curious because I thought Eric Schalgren was the backup. Like assuming that Matt Murray stays out, which I know the GM came out and said like he's going to be fine for the playoffs but like okay we'll see I don't think so uh like so and maybe it doesn't matter Samsonov's just going to have to be a workhorse though he is uh, he has led in three goals today against Patrick Kane and Chicago well specifically just Patrick Kane he has a hat trick uh but yeah is Joseph Wall the backup now is Schalgren still the backup like uh who is like the third stringer quote-unquote really the second stringer because Matt Murray might not play for the Leafs right now in your opinion I guess for the time being, with the way he's playing, it's Joseph Wall. Uh, you're asking who he is. He is a 24-and-a-half-year-old goalie out of Darden Prairie, Missouri. And I'm actually on the, that town's Wikipedia page right now trying to find notable people. They don't have a notable people section on Darden Prairie. Uh, so uh, Joseph Wall, the prodigal son, putting the city on the map. Uh, population 13,000. 
There you go for anybody wondering. Um, okay, but more importantly, third round pick, 62nd overall back in 2016 of the Leafs. Wall had a successful college career with Boston College in Division I NCAA hockey in the Hockey East. Uh, he went to one Hockey East final in 2018. Uh, and then now he's, by now, well, Wall's already in his fourth pro season with a 931 save percentage and a 14-1 and record with the Toronto Marlies in the AHL this season. He's been called up a 911 save percentage in four games with the big club this year. Um, one thing about Wall that I noticed in his uh, career record is, like, he's he's always been limited to, like, 15 games a year since his first pro season back in 1920 when he played 32. The last few, he really hasn't seen a ton of action. So I don't think we know what we've got in him. I think based on what Shalgren has been doing at both the AHL and NHL levels, it doesn't hurt to see what Wall is going to give you because the bar isn't that high to clear, to, to, to surpass Shalgren on the depth chart. So this is an opportunity, and it's fun to see him take charge and and take advantage of it i think uh i i think ideally as you said elon the leafs are like well matt murray's gonna be back that's the plan we'll see what we've got in wall i i feel like they probably don't and shouldn't trust shalgren to be samsonov's backup if it came down to it but i also imagine that until murray's healthy samsonov is going to see the lion's share of the starts yeah you'd think so for sure all right let's go to the other side of that game yesterday between toronto and montreal where the habs got smacked by the leafs their lone goal was scored by josh anderson assisted by matheson and jordan harris uh, jordan harris by the way he's a defenseman that was his fourth point in four games just really quickly is, is there is there anything here is jordan harris someone someone that we need to know for this for one year leagues right now or is this just a clear like just a guy on a heater I think this is just a guy on a heater. Jordan Harris, third round pick, 71st overall back in 2018 of the Habs. He's 22 and a half years old now. This is his first full pro season. Uh, he had decent numbers in college for a defenseman, basically a half point per game. He's on the smaller side. He's mobile. He's quick. He's got a bit of a shot going for him. So I, I guess we'll see. I think the Habs expect him in time to develop into a power play quarterback or or hopefully but I don't know that that's going to happen quite at this moment. Yeah, and I guess Caden Gooley probably will have the like leg up on him in terms of who's going to be the top power play quarterback. But we'll see. That'll be like in the future when they have Connor Bedard and who, who knows who else on the team. Uh, a rare quiet game for... Raphael Harvey Pinard, someone who's been getting a lot of play on our podcast recently and on short shifts. Uh, how much leash are you going to give a guy like him? Someone who was like a nobody until just a couple weeks ago, then went on this great hot streak. Uh, Pinard or Harvey Pinard, I should say, still was on the top line with Suzuki and Josh Anderson on the top power play. He's getting like premium deployment. Like you couldn't ask for more. Uh, but let's say he goes quiet again for the next game. Would you like drop Raphael Harvey Pinard or is he someone now that you're kind of like just holding as long as he's in the spot? I'm not holding on to Harvey Pinard for very long. Like, he is still top line, top power play, but it's been five games since Harvey Pinard took more than two shots. More often than not, he's registering just one shot, and that's concerning because he only has two assists on the season. His success, Harvey Pinard's success, has come from his seven goals that have come on not very many shots. He's got a 33% shooting percentage, scoring on one in every three shots he takes, and uh, he doesn't take a whole lot of shots, and he also doesn't set up a whole lot of chances. So I don't give Harvey Pinard or really any hab not named Suzuki and maybe Matheson, much leash. I look at Harvey Pinard as more of a one-game stream option who you can look at to help you for, for just a night 
as needed, but not somebody I'm holding on to, waiting for him to step up and really establish himself there. Wow. Okay. I know a lot of people have added him after that hot run. So you're saying that they are free to let him go. If like, I would give him another game or two and kind of see what's going on just because it's tough to get these like top line, top power play guys. But yeah, also like think to yourself, if Josh Anderson is available in free agency, I feel like they're pretty similar so even though, i'd like, rather anderson too like i would make that swap happily yeah though on the top power play it's harvey pinard that's there but so is yule armia so you know i guess i'm not sure exactly how much value that should hold uh i guess one other thing i'll mention on the house remember jonathan drewen where he was like super high pedigree guy was he drafted like third overall got traded for sergachev uh so he's still on the team and actually he's kind of doing stuff lately which is an interesting timing because drewen who who had this like overpriced contract that the haves have been saddled with now is like going to be UFA after this season. He's going to potentially get an opportunity to you know get a fresh start somewhere else. I'm sure someone will sign him, especially with you know he had uh, this past week he had two assists against Edmonton, three assists against Chicago. So that's five points in two games. Uh, then these last couple of games he hasn't had a point, but he had three shots against Carolina, seven shots in this game against Toronto. Fun fact: seven shots is a lot for a guy who has no goals. When's the last time someone who has no goals in over 30 games on the season is? Came capable of taking like a seven shot games you'd think a goal would come soon he's probably like do a couple i don't you know how we do it like you know if you take his career shooting percentage and look at the number of shots he shot probably should have a couple goals i'd imagine uh so drew and i mean i don't know if i'd recommend like grabbing him now but like in my dynasty league uh, I, he's in free agency and like his contract is crazy i don't even know if i could fit him in. if i have an injury and then all of a sudden i could fit him in for my fantasy playoffs maybe he'd be worth a grab since you know the contract will be new i'm sure it'll be a lot cheaper next year and who knows maybe there's still a future he's only 27 years old i'm curious to know if you think there's still a chance that Juan will be something in the league or is he just going to kind of like go the way of an Alex Galchenyuk like every once in a while he did something eventually he left the Habs and then I don't even know if he's in the league anymore that's a really interesting idea Elon in in a cap or dynasty situation where it's late in the year and your your fate is determined one way or the other if you can add Juan wait to see what his next contract is and where he lands I mean you could my my hopes aren't super high as you said elon seven shots is like really out of character for him and i'm not giving it a ton of thought that jonathan duran could uh sometime soon show us that he's going to be something more than he's shown us to be so far this is age 27 season already he's going to be 28 next year i'm trying to think of anyone else who's broken out as late as that with this kind of pedigree like i'm thinking of like cam atkinson wasn't he pretty old by the time he he had his real breakout season yeah i think definitely atkinson did but i feel like it's also like such a different situation like drew you know had like so many injuries and he had to go into the player assistance program like it's really like he hasn't like there were like signs of goodness in montreal over the years but anytime he'd get on a hot run he'd like get injured or something would happen so i just wonder if like is he finally not to say like it might just continue for the rest of his career but imagine if he's just fully healthy able to have a full summer of normal training maybe there's something there but i don't think we should spend too much time on the pod talking about him but interesting oh yeah let me i'll go back to what i said which is that i love the thought i love the idea that maybe he could be rejuvenated like i could see him playing a role next year for a team on a cheap contract where not a lot is asked of him, like a middle six role on a quality team that could just use 
like has the I don't know, like I'm thinking of like a Boston or Carolina situation where it's like, yeah, we could use you. You've got skills. We'll mold you to be the player in the role you need to fit. You don't need to be the player that you originally drafted as, and he could maybe succeed that way. So I, I, I'm interested to see what happens to him in his career, and of course, hoping for the best. He has definitely been through a lot as a pro from the Tampa situation, and I think Montreal has not been a lot of fun for him either with challenges there too. So uh, all the best to Jonathan Druin and a cheap contract. And maybe there is an opportunity there for cap and dynasty managers. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. You'd imagine it'll be a cheap contract. Like obviously it'll have to be. Uh, okay. Uh, by the way, the Leafs uh, played Montreal yesterday. Today they're playing Chicago. Like I mentioned, let's talk quickly about Patrick Kane and this hat trick he has. Patrick Kane was super cold. He went pointless for four games uh, in his last couple games, a couple goals against the Sens. Now three goals against Toronto this is right as the trade deadline is looming and he's a pending UFA it would make no sense for Chicago not to trade him uh, so now's the time I guess to like ask the question like should I be trying to acquire Patrick Kane in my leagues you know maybe like, unfortunately the, the best time would have been a couple games ago when he was on this cold streak you might have gotten him for cheap uh, at this point are you believing that maybe he's back because he's had such a disappointing season so far but you know these last couple games are looking like uh, better than what you could have expected so wh- what do you think rest of season or is it gonna be more like of what we've seen or do you think there's maybe a spark coming after this I don't know whatever hat trick against Toronto <laughs> yeah I I Elon we, we've we've been on about Patrick Kane a lot this season saying that like we started the season saying he's not what he used to be so even if everything in Chicago was the same as it always has been you know expect maybe closer to 90 points than 100 points and because it's not the same in Chicago as it always has been maybe expect 80 points and it's like oh well maybe they're so bad you can only expect 70 and this has all come out to Patrick Kane pacing for just 63 points uh, so far this season yeah, 14 goals now in 52 games. I think that includes uh, the ones he scored tonight in the hat trick. I think I can't. I, I'm not sure if Rosenthal's updates the career stats live, but in any case, he's got five goals on his last seven shots. So I'm not sure I'm ready to uh, to anoint this as, as things to come. I don't know that Kane has deserved a whole lot better than he's gotten probably on the power play just two power play goals over 52 games so far Um, maybe he's got more to give but Elon he could end up in a situation where there's not opportunity for him to give a whole lot more Uh, but by the way shout out to Max Domi who is assist who's also a trade deadline uh, option for uh, for to be dealt who has assisted uh, on a bunch of Kane's goals lately but if you're trying to figure out who else is going to get points on Kane's goals? The answer is like nobody reliably. Philip Khrushchev is playing on Kane's line and has for a while now. And I've considered adding him and he has nothing tonight on Kane's three goals. In fact, he had nothing on Kane's two goals the night before either. Philip Khrushchev had a goal like back on February 15th against Toronto, but has not picked up an assist in seven games Uh, Jason Dickinson was briefly played with Kane and somehow has an assist tonight, even though they're not on the same line. So I'm not sure exactly how things played out there. But basically, you got Kane, you got Domi, maybe you got some random production from like Athanasiu and Lafferty and Dickinson and Khrushchev to some extent. But uh, there's, there's not a whole lot going on in Chicago, Patrick Kane or around Patrick Kane. 
yeah. So uh, he'll he's got to be gone since you don't even have to worry about picking up your Chicago guys. Uh, like don't don't add Max Domi for a playoff run. Thinking yeah he's playing with Kane he's doing well because I I doubt he'll still be playing with Kane unless some team uh, picks up both of them in a package. Yeah, I, I guess like the real best case scenario for Patrick Kane would be like a Claude Giroux kind of edit where he goes to a team that's really good that has a spot for him on their top power play and he can just produce at an insane like unsustainable clip but at an insane clip for a short period of time and help you that way i think that's probably the best possible ending to the story for patrick kane this season yeah i'm definitely more like bullish than you on patrick kane once he gets traded like i don't think there's a situation like i know you're saying like maybe he'll go to another team where he doesn't get such a great opportunity like i really find that hard to believe i think he'll go to another team and right away get on their top power play and get in the top six because uh, he's patrick kane uh he's not the same patrick kane uh, of old but still clearly he's got something he just go to hat trick and I mean, leaves. so you say that but vladimir tarasenko not on the rangers not patrick kane another not on the leaves top power play nola cherry not on the leaves top power play <laughs> none of these players are in the same not, level as patrick they're not kane, patrick kane yes you are absolutely right <laughs> and neither even the great closure i don't think is in the same category as patrick kane uh but anyhow yeah. brian we've got a lot to get to we basically covered one game and then a little bit of the second game. We covered two Leafs games. And I wanted to cover a whole bunch more. We're going to get to all of them, or as many as we can. Uh, we'll just take a quick break. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back. I'm here with Brian Cum, and we're going through some box scores. I wanted to go back to another game uh, that happened on Saturday from a team that also played again today. That's Colorado. They played St. Louis, and they won 4-1. to one. A nice, easy win for Colorado against a St. Louis team that now has Ryan O'Reilly gone, Tarasenko gone, Tori Krug in and out of the lineup. Looks like Krug did play today, didn't play on Saturday. Buchnevich got hurt in the loss to Colorado. It, it, it might be tough sledding for St. Louis moving forward. They are losing pieces fast. Who knows who else will get dealt uh, before the deadline. The lines in this game against Colorado had Cairo, Thomas, and Sammy Blay, and then Braden Shen with Barbashev, and then Buchnevich to start, and then Jake Neighbors after Buchnevich got injured. Uh, the top power play was Shen, Barbashev, Cairo, Thomas, and Falk. Uh, so I guess you can say this is like a good news situation for Ivan Barbashev. I'm like struggling here. Like he's on the top power play now and playing on a line with Shen, like with everyone gone, I guess that does open up a spot. I'm seeing that Blay scored a goal assisted by Cairo and Brown. That was the only goal for St. Louis in this game against Colorado. And Blay also got some power play time. So maybe he could be interesting. I mean, other players in St. Louis are hot. Cairo has seven points in his last four games. Shen was on a hot run uh, before this game. Uh, but I'm thinking like probably we should be tempering expectations on even these hot like good St. Louis players because as all of the good supporting pieces around them start to disappear I, I like it's just hard to imagine that they'll still be able to do well at least until like Buchnevich is back I'd be nervous for even like the Thomases and the Kairos and the Shens of the world yeah this is rough for everybody with St. Louis minus Ryan O'Reilly minus Vladimir Tarasenko I mean I, th- I think they have the potential the Blues to look Pretty sad the rest of the season. Like, look at their their cup core. Petrangelo, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Perron, Schwartz, they're all gone. And those are all, like, the identity of the Blues. So I I feel like over the rest of the season, you're going to see a team searching, 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 trying to figure out who they are and what to do. And yeah, it's going to be like Thomas and Kairou's team, um, Buchnevich, when he's healthy. And we'll see exactly where they go with that and what they're able to manage. Um, 
Yeah, like I, I'm trying to think of any, like you saw the silver lining and being like, yeah, Barbashev, it could be good for him. It could be, but I'm really just not going to be optimistic about much about what's going on in St. Louis for the rest of the year. That's it. Sammy Blay, by the way, is still there from the, the cup win, but he left and came back. <laughs> still counts. And yeah, like I said, he's uh, actually getting some decent deployment himself. So maybe he's playing with Kairou and Thomas in the last game. So if he's that and getting power play, maybe actually Sammy Blaze the one you want and not Barbashev if you are going for a St. Louis streamer, if they have a good schedule one week. Uh, but okay, I guess also on D, so Falk is probably like a snoozer once Krug is back, like Justin Falk, like pointless in seven games, taking lots of shots, but like just so disappointing that Justin Falk just can't find a way to produce even when he's given these golden opportunities yeah this is uh and and with krug in and out of the lineup it's also kind of frustrating because we don't know what to expect night in night out um how about colton pareko though if we are looking for someone on the blue line that we can say is is going well four points in his last five three straight games with three shots some blocks and hits to go along with that. Nothing exciting, and it could peter out pretty quickly. But at least Colton Pareko is doing stuff again as the most reliable blue line producer in St. Louis right now, which says a lot about the state of where Falk, healthy, and Krug, semi-healthy, are at. Yeah, oh man. I think Pareko's in free agency in a lot of my leagues. I didn't even think to look at what he's doing because he's been so disappointed. Yeah, it's probably just not a good sign for the Blues overall. But obviously they're rebuilding. Okay, on the Colorado side, by the way, both of these teams are playing today also on Sunday, I should mention. And Colorado, after having this nice uh, 4-1 easy win against St. Louis, had a bit of a tougher game versus Edmonton today. But somehow they held on for the 6-5 victory uh, over Edmonton in overtime. The winner was scored by Miko Rantz and what a stud uh looking at you know a couple guys we talked about last week in nichushkin and lekanen they were on big cold streaks and a lot of people were asking what to do with them because like colorado's a good playoff schedule but these guys aren't doing anything thankfully brian and i were like definitely hold on they're gonna be fine as long as they're getting good deployment uh nichushkin and lekanen both had a point in that game versus st louis on saturday i'm seeing they both scored a goal today against the oilers so yeah you want these guys there is news coming out that landeskog is skating and will return in mid-march so will be interesting to see how the lines are affected like just looking at the lines for today for colorado can i inter- i'm gonna just interrupt you because i know you, d- you don't plan on talking a whole lot about landis scott but where do you draft him next year like how to heart are you taking like he's basically gonna miss the whole fantasy season so what do you do with that if he's purportedly healthy which i if i remember correctly he was going into like some drafts you know at some point during camp news came out but uh what do you do are you penalizing are you are you bumping him down your draft board at all like let's say he comes back landeskog produces the way he always has are you still a little gun shy i mean it's hard i haven't thought about it like i mean i'd like to see what he does you're saying he comes back he's totally fine just does what he's always done yeah and then you're worried that maybe then next year it'll be like the same thing he'll just like take a big chunk of time off i mean yeah, just that like he's missed, like there's been a weird injury and he can't get healthy from it. And even if he does and returns to form, like, are we still a little worried? I mean, I guess it's the kind of thing where you could get real value. Like if, if everyone's thinking this way, this is how you get like, uh, who was it this year? I guess, uh, well, J- you know, Jason Robertson had a contract dispute, kind of different. Marshawn, I think, was injured for a bit and people were getting him at a good discount. Then he came back and was just fine. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... I Landis guess Scott not, went like yeah. on average 39th overall. 
Yeah, so well, that's a mistake, <laughs> because, uh, obviously, in hindsight. I don't know, Brian. It's hard to answer. I guess it depends how risky you want to be. That's like the kind of draft pick that you can win your league with if you wait. And like obviously, don't draft him at like his like point-per-game value because you know that there's going to be that risk that he's not going to play. But if he starts falling far enough, then maybe you take a shot. But let's see. Okay, let's see actually what he does. But I wanted to actually look into even the other players on the team. Because, yeah, we have... So in today's game, McKinnon, Nichushkin, and Lekkonen. So great spots for Nichushkin and Lekkonen. Again, good job to anyone who... Who was able to hold on through a sh- short cold streak then ranting in with evan rodriguez and jt confer who now like Re- rodriguez and jt confer looking interesting we're trying to pick out who's going to get bumped also from the top power play that's like the really huge thing nishushkin and lekin both there with mckinnon and ranting and obviously landeskog will be on the top power play my guess would be that Nichushkin gets priority. He was there first. I don't know if this is like a first in last out type of situation uh but my guess is maybe Lekkonen gets bumped, but honestly, it's really hard to predict. Do you have any take on, you know, like if you need to start, like all these people who are, you know, trying to grab all their avalanche for this great playoff schedule, do you like now try to maybe trade away a Lekkonen and get like a really awesome return? Because even though he has a good playoff schedule, maybe his deployment won't be as good or do you just kind of still want him because of that schedule uh, yeah i still want him because of that schedule i'm gonna lean on the side that everything is going to be okay for lekanen that there's still going to be opportunities to produce like we saw from the second line last year like burakovsky and kadri like there was a there were a lot of points to be had all in nichushkin of course all season long in colorado last year regardless of whether you were in like so long as you're in the top six and like sort of in or around the power play picture you were good. So, yeah, I'm not, uh, especially with a great playoff schedule, I'm not going to jump ship on any of these guys, especially until I see Landis Gog back. Right. Even, even, like, I was going to say at practice with a contact jersey, but, like, no. Like, in a game situation, in two game situations, then then maybe I'll react to him having returned. But until then, I'm not going to. Well, by then, the trade deadline has passed. So, I guess you're just yeah. saying to not worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, okay. By the way, I wanted to mention the D on Colorado. Holy cow. There's like, is there another team that has like four defensemen that are not only fantasy relevant, but just like super hot like this? Like uh, Sam Girard is the most interesting because he's available in the most leagues. He had two assists in that game on Saturday versus St. Louis, which brought him to nine points in his last nine games. Another two assists today. So it's like now 11 points in his last 10 games. Unbelievable for a guy that's been available all over, probably getting snapped up. Brian, he's actually still a free agent though in some leagues that I'm in. Like, is it like, crazy to just like so colorado the only plays friday saturday next week so if you grab gerard now you're waiting a long time but again with that playoffs maybe it's worth it to just jump on him i also mentioned bowen byram uh he had two goals in the game against st louis uh an assist today so he's running hot we've got devon taves uh unfortunately mccarr uh out of the lineup today so taves got back on the top power play which is always like a very great opportunity he had an assist today six shots uh so yeah but taves isn't available anywhere Byron probably not available. I'd imagine if he is, you're going to say definitely get him. And then Gerard, is he also someone at this point that you just got to go at him even if the schedule isn't that great next week? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, with the schedule not great, you know, you got to do the calculus and decide how much is going to impact you if you're behind in games played. You might not want to go Gerard, uh, but if if you can wait and and be okay with that yeah i would i mean we see this happen a lot in colorado right like especially with byron gerard there's lots of goals to be had lots of points to be had and with these guys it's never totally sustainable but you enjoy them while they're going off and when they're done you say thanks very much and be on your merry way 
Yeah, and I guess I did kind of like just skip over the McCarthy. He came back and now he's injured again and it's head related, apparently, according to Coach Bednar. So, well, or no, wait, so sorry. The, the Peter question... asked, <laughs> right. Yeah. Peter asked, Peter Ba, the beat writer, asked if it's head related and Bednar said, not at this time. Not at this time. That's a weird way to answer. Is it's it like... not head related at this time, but in the future, it could <laughs> potentially be oh, no. head related. We're like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, so I guess we'll just hope for the best for McCarr. Like, this, this has got to bump him down draft boards for next year, though. Like, this is, um, McCarr, through his career, has been missing time here and there, like nine or ten game stretches. And this season has been even more uh, off and on than any of the others. So I think, especially, like, with another likely deep cup run ahead that maybe he isn't drafted so early because you're going to have to be ready for him to miss time. It's maybe a little predictable. Um, can I talk about someone else on the abs by Go the way? Yeah, just quickly. Nathan freaking McKinnon. He's, he's, he's going nuts lately. Like absolutely insane. 36 points in his last 23 games. That's going back to the start of December. I could probably take an, a, a smaller slice and he's doing even better, like, since the start of January or whatever. But the Avs are just, like, destroying with him on the ice. And he is producing, since December, at a 130-point pace. Uh, there is no stopping this guy. He's scoring at will. He's found his, like, most dominant form. He's taking six shots a game. He's scoring on 10%. Of the, like, this is what Nathan McKinnon can do and is doing right now. And it, it's great to see because there, there have been some dicey moments where he hadn't quite been taking full control or charge, but those days are behind us. I, I know it was in our drafts. It was Matthews before McKinnon across the board, right? It was McDavid, then Matthews, then Dreisaitl or McKinnon. That was the next choice. But man, if I had uh, if I had Austin Matthews, I would I would try and deal him for McKinnon. I don't think I like I have McKinnon, I wouldn't take that offer. But if you could try, it might uh, might be worth a shot. No, I think I'm with you. Man, nine shots today in this win over Edmonton a goal to assist. Yeah, McKinnon is insane. I'd take him over Matthews at this point. Just go for, but if, if you can pull it, I guess you might have to be trading with a Leafs fan to uh, pull that off. Uh, I'll mention another thing about Colorado is Pavel Francouz. Unfortunately, he's out three weeks of the lower body injury. Uh, Jonas Johansson was like initially called up when uh, Francouz was injured, but then they did bring up Justice Anunin, their top goalie prospect, and he got the game on Saturday and he did really well. He stopped 19 of 20. Again, it was against a St. Louis Blues team that is looking like maybe one of it's like you know like I we have to readjust now to like thinking of St. Louis as like one of those like weaker teams in the league well maybe it'll take a lot of us a little while to really like get there but I think you're getting to a point now where you want to like start your goalie against St. Louis because it's going to be a really good chance to win especially with Buchnevich out like I said but not to take away anything from Anunin a great game and he is their future and like Francois has had some injury problems so who knows if maybe by even next year uh Francois you know, gets an opportunity, obviously wishing the best for Francois and he'll be back. And then they still have Gore given Francois under contract for another year. Uh, but uh, yeah, Anunin is definitely someone again for your cap leagues. He's someone that you're going to be interested in because uh, Colorado is going to be still good for a really long time. It looks like, and he might be their goalie at some point. Yeah. Yeah. At some point. I mean, right. We, we don't know for now. He's in a decent spot. He's there to give Georgiev breaks and uh, maybe into the future. Like, I don't know, Elon, I don't see him as being like this sure shot, gotta be goalie of the future for Colorado, but I, I, I still, I like the way you're thinking. Is there anyone else you have in mind or just kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to no, predict I just, goalies, uh, Yeah, I just don't know that he's like totally up to the task and like Georgiev wasn't in the Av system, right, at all. And 
neither was Kemper. Like, you know, they've they've been importing goalies for a while. I'm sure they'd prefer to have a homegrown one, but I'm not sure Anunin has... Uh, his, not that he should have by now, but I'm not sure that he's really given such a strong indication that, like, he is going to be the guy. I think he's got a shot because he's on the team now, he's developing with the team, but I don't know that he is, he's locked in in any sense. Huh. Okay, I guess it's a good question for a Colorado beat writer. My sense is that he is, like, supposed to be, like, their big goalie prospect. I, I think he won, like, the AHL playoff MVP. I don't know. He had a really good playoffs last year. I know that in the AHL. Anyway, whatever. We'll find out. We'll talk about this in this offseason. Let's go to uh, another game here. Man, we're not uh, pacing very well for this podcast. That's okay. We're having fun chats, and we'll get as far as we get. We're trying to give you the uh, interesting tidbits. But let's take another quick break, actually, and then we'll get back to talk about the Bruins and the Islanders and another blowout. Uh, so we'll be back in just a sec. All right, we are back, Brian, L- continuing to go scoreboard hopping here. And yeah, on Saturday, the Bruins killed the Islanders 6-2. to two. They killed them in more ways than one on the scoreboard and because they hurt Matt Barzell, uh, which basically k- kills like the Islanders' chance. Like They traded for uh, Horvat. They've signed him long-term, so it's not only like they gave pro- uh, you know prospects to get him uh, just for this season, at least. Uh, but yeah, for this season, I definitely think that things are not going to be very good if Barzell is hurt. I don't know if anyone on... In the chat here has an update. As far as I've seen, there hasn't been an update. So we'll have to see. He got hurt in the first period, didn't come back. Lots of line juggling once Barzal was hurt. But one key thing that we saw was that Kyle Palmieri jumped to the top power play in Barzal's stead to play with Lee, Nelson, Horvat, and Dobson. Of course, Palmieri was on that top power play before Horvat came to bump him. Uh, so we talked last week about Kyle Palmieri and how he had been on a good streak and on a good run. But then I was like, now with Horvat here, is he worth holding because he's not on the top power play anymore? And you're like, yeah, you could probably let him go now that Palmieri's back on the top power play maybe he's someone you got to take a look at again right he had a goal in this game against Boston uh, five shots so what are your thoughts currently on Kyle Palmieri maybe I'll pair him with Bo Horvat himself pointless in three games now and if Matt Barzal is out that's gotta hurt Horvat's value because that was looking like a really nice one-two punch uh so obviously you still want Horvat over Palmieri no question about that but yeah curious to get your take on both of these Islanders Okay, yeah. Well, starting with Palmieri, there's a bit of an opportunity for him, and we've seen that he hasn't completely lost it. So uh, this is a chance for Palmieri to be back in the conversation. We already said he'd been upgraded from ignore to streaming territory, and now, yeah, he's sort of between streaming territory and fringe roster. So let's watch and see what he does with the opportunities he has. If he's asked to step in and fill like a, an actual offensive role in Barzal's absence, that would be great, and I think he's someone that is good to keep your eye on. So good call, Elon, on Palmieri. As for Horvat, yeah, it, it would definitely hurt if Barzal is out. They seem to have some chemistry early on. Things were going well, and then Horvat is going to, like anyone else on Long Island, is a downgrade to play with from Matt Barzal. But keep in mind, Bo Horvat has produced with Lust. For example, last year in Vancouver, he had a fantastic year playing uh, with his most common wingers, Connor Garland and Tanner Pearson, who like I'm not I'm not trying to like throw a whole bunch of shade on them, but they are not necessarily top six material on every team in the league. So Horvat can work with them. I think he can work with what's still there in Long Island. And uh, like, unfortunately, he has gone a bit cold. But remember, Elon, this is what I was saying last week. He's been unsustainably hot all season long. He gets to Long Island. He keeps crushing it. He's going to stop at some point he's going to slow down at some point unfortunately it's totally stopped for three games not to say it can't come back but i would 
still be surprised if he continued producing the rest of the season at the rate that he's produced so far this year. Uh, now it's going to be harder to tease apart the the impact if Barzal's out for any length of time, if it's because he's not playing with Barzal or, or what exactly. But this is what I was expecting regardless of Barzal's presence from Horvat. So Horvat better with Barzell, but still not as good as his last 45 games, regardless of whether Barzell's in the lineup. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, maybe even Horvat now is wishing he could, oh, this is going so well. This is frustrating. These injuries. I searched on Twitter for some Barzal updates. No updates yet. A lot of funny gifts from, I guess, Islanders fans of people impatiently <laughs> waiting for news and getting frustrated when there isn't news and people being very nervous. So, yeah, obviously, Islanders fans who were hoping that maybe they'd have a chance to go on a playoff run. This is going to hurt them if Barzal's out hot long term. But obviously, the short shifts guys, Lewis, Shams, Jeremy, will have you covered with the latest updates when we get them. Uh, so let's go to the Boston side of this game. Boston, again, was the winner, 6-2, to two, destroying the Islanders. Uh, Jake DeBrusque is back. That's the big news over in Boston. He had a great game. He had a power play goal and also an assist back on that line with Marshawn and Bergeron, uh, which left Pasternak, Zaka, and Krejci together, which meant Taylor Hall back on line three. And I'm not even going to bug you about Taylor Hall again. Too boring to talk about. All to say, Hall, obviously not on the top power play. It was DeBrusque there uh, with the big four names on that top power play. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even know. There's nothing like really in terms of advice. Obviously, like Jake DeBrusque is in an amazing spot. He's been having a great season. We like him, right? He's probably going to keep this up and you can't get him in free agency. I, if you could trade for him, I, I would. I, I'm really high on Jake DeBrusque, but unfortunately, it's probably not advice that anyone could act on at this point. No, there's, it's not. I, unfortunately, Jake DeBrusque, like I've looked ahead to my matchup next week in the cupful. Jake DeBrusque is on my opponent's roster, so I'm disappointed that he'll be back and active because, yeah, Jake DeBrusque, has finally broken out because he was finally given an opportunity that he hadn't been given year after year by other coaches like Claude Julien and even Bruce Cassidy. So it's great to see Jake DeBrusque uh, be reliable and dependable as a, as a high-end scorer. I assume he'll continue doing that. Yeah, and then I guess we should mention Pavel Zaka scored a goal in this game. He now has eight points in his last nine games. Uh, he's obviously a solid option on that Pasta and Krejci line. Though, like, I feel like at this point, like, I'm into Zaka now because he's on a hot streak, but I still feel like he's not someone you know you hold long term. And I think now we have to put Krejci in that same conversation, right? Krejci's not on the top power play. He's on the same line. He's gone cold lately. Only one assist in his last four games. I like I was, on one hand I'm going to be saying like I'm interested in Zaka and like I'm going to ask you if Krejci is like a snoozer but like actually I think they're the same it's just like they I had them both in different levels like going into asking this question so now I just feel like they're at, at a similar level where maybe you just prefer Zaka now because he's hot but eventually like maybe both just end up in free agency I prefer Krejci uh, I see the comparison you're making I think Krejci is just less likely to totally fall off than Zaka like Zaka has been like scorching hot and then just gone, completely useless. The second you, like, especially if you're late to the party, like, oh, yeah, I've got Zaka for this great schedule for Boston coming up. This happened to me two, maybe three times this season, where David Krejci, his downside seems to be less intense. Uh, like, Zaka can fall off the map completely. Krejci should still be there in some respect. But we've mentioned that Krejci himself, as awesome as he's been, He's been unsustainably awesome this year. He's scored just two times in his last 24 games, which is normal for David Krejci, right? He doesn't score a lot. But the thing is, even without scoring for like the last quarter of the season, he's still pacing for 20 goals on the year. That's just three off his career high. And that's thanks to him shooting nearly 20% at five on five. So a lot of goals that he's picked up so far to be pacing at 70 
like just over 70 points right now at the moment. Um, So a lot of goals have helped. A lot of assists have helped too. And it helps when your teammates are shooting above 12% at five on five, which I don't expect to continue being the case for David Krejci. I love the guy, but I would expect him to be closer to a 60 point pace rest of season. I think that's more likely than the 70 point pace that Krejci has been on to date. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a 60-point pace that's a lot like Ryan O'Reilly's 60-point pace that you talked about earlier in the show, which is not that many shots, which makes him probably replacement level in a lot of leagues. So I'm not actually, maybe the answer is like neither, but like Zaka's just the one on the hot streak now, but I'm not that interested in Krejci, honestly, moving forward. You look at his shots on goal in box scores, like I'm looking at his game log here. He had a four-shot game back on January 16th. Aside from that, every game since then has been zero, one, or two shots. And actually, that was a big outlier because before that, you have to go down all the way to like December 20th. 27th for a three-shot game like you're lucky to get two shots in a game from Krejci so unless it's a points only league he has like minimal value in my opinion yeah well said okay Uh, do we need to talk about Nick Foligno Brian he had a goal and an assist in this game versus the Islanders also two assists versus Nashville he hits a ton Uh, so obviously in leagues where hits are like a category you already know about Nick Foligno but obviously a player like that just goes so much higher in value if we think that he's actually going to keep putting up some points any chance he once got 70 didn't he Elon uh, this is where look I don't know the reference that I'm about to make maybe you do Uh, you know like the Encanto if I knew it, it would be better. Like I would say it in the rhythm or melody. We don't. We do talk about Felino. You know, like we don't talk about Bruno. Do you get Never. this? I know. This I, know. I have, I have nieces ever. and nephews. Okay. Yeah. I've. I actually have been like. I've completely not heard anything except the line. So please, everyone, say it for yourselves. Plug it in. We we do talk about Felino, but only for five seconds. Uh, he's had a good couple games. That's it. Bottom six. I'm not. Uh, you know, there's some guys coming down the pipe later in the show who are like equally unimpressive or uninspiring that I would prefer to Nick Foligno. Okay, so point that player out when we, we get there. Uh, all right, let's go now to uh, Columbus and Dallas had a game where Columbus handily defeated the Stars 4-1, to which is a bit of an upset, but maybe not because Dallas has been kind of cold lately. We actually had a question from Patron Terry asking if there's like reason for concern with Dallas. They actually now have lost four in a row and have only scored five goals in those games. And I know, Brian, like if I were to ask you about a player, you know, like uh, Joe Pavelski was cold last week. We had a question about what should we do about Pavelski? He was like only cold for three games. He was pointless in three. We were like, well, we need to see some more data. So he kind of has stayed cold. He had two assists versus Boston on Tuesday, but nothing in the three games before or two games since. And I know normally your line is, well, if the team is cold, you don't want to be worried about the player because it's more of a team issue. But this team is very cold. So I just want to know what your thoughts are in terms of like, if you have one of those top liners in Dallas, are you super nervous right now? Or do you think this is something that will pass? I think it's something that will pass. I have my line and I'm applying it here too. Uh, Dallas is just five goals in their last four games. Those five goals have come on 119 shots, which means the team is shooting 4.2%, which is like unsustainably poor. Also in these last four games, they've only had seven power play opportunities also, which I feel like they could reasonably expect at least two per game, hopefully more. Uh, and they're, they're not getting those either. So low shooting percentage, few power play opportunities. I think the Stars, the Dallas ones, have just been unlucky. And uh, if Pavelski is still cold, Elon, when the team shooting percentage regresses back to normal, then we'll talk about him. I'm just going to keep on adding conditions to avoid okay. digging into it. Like, because I don't see anything wrong. That's, that's, that's fine. The short, yeah, there it is. 
That's good. That's, okay. Uh, you made you made a lot of uh, Pavelski managers happy by by telling that. Yeah, that's good to hear that Dallas is just kind of being a little snake bitten and not like just totally falling apart. Uh, let's go to the Columbus side, the winning side of this game. Brian, Eunice Corposalo. Oh my God, he's so good. Like, he, he had such a great game. He stopped 29 of, or no, 28 of 29. Earlier in the week, on, on Thursday, Corpusalo stopped 37 of 38 versus Winnipeg in a win. Uh, his last game also against Toronto was also really good. He took a loss, but had a 927 save percentage in the game. Uh, like I'm way past asking you about like, who's is he now the starter over Elvis Merzlikens? Like that's, clearly been decided i think at this point my question is more just like should people just be rushing to grab this guy if he's still available because i feel like you think like oh columbus they stink corpus like who's he he's you know let us down so many times but i feel like at some point we have to start buying into him right and this season is going very he's up to a 913 save percentage on a really weak team i'm i'm pretty into him he's also by the way like drew like a ufa at the end of this year so it'll be really fun to see if he's earned himself like a big payday after this really hot stretch yeah, well, the Blue Jackets had decided that Merz Likens was going to be their goalie of the future and that they just needed another year to sort of bridge Tarasov and develop him and be ready for the NHL. And that's why they kept Corpus Solo around as kind of like a steady veteran presence. And yeah, he's gone and done what he's doing this season, which is taking the starting job and earning probably a better contract than he would have gotten at the end of the season based on his career to date, which has not been great for Corpus Solo. Um, You know... This season has been good. All right. I like, I'm not gonna, it still had this like on and off pattern for Corpusala where he's rarely stringing a couple good starts together. Like, this is just the second time this season that Corpusala is having a stretch where he's putting up great numbers in consecutive outings. Otherwise, he's very up and down, good, good, bad. And if he's gonna go on a run, it's more often a bad run than a good one. But, this season for Corpusalo is now the first time since he was a rookie when he was uh, the tender age of 21 years old back in 2015-16 that he is outplaying his expected numbers at 5 on 5. Now Corpusalo is an old man at 28 years old and he's outplaying his expected numbers by almost 10 save points. That's basically a 9.45 is what he's putting up versus the expected 9.35 in Fenwick's save percentage at 5 on 5. So yeah, this has been even with a lot of hot and cold, uh, like still st- starts and stops through the year for Corpusalo, he's been really good on a team that's hanging him out to dry on a regular basis. So, uh, yeah, Elon, we have a, uh, Andy in the chat just asked uh, like if he should drop Spencer Knight for Corpusalo and to talk him off that cliff. No, Andy, I'm not going to talk you off that cliff. I think you should have done that yesterday or last week. It's uh, now's the time to have Corpusalo. Like, if you were someone who was ready to accept a somewhat inconsistent Merzlikens on a bad Columbus team, you've got that. His name just isn't Elvis Merzlikens, it's Eunice Corpusalo. Yeah, and Columbus is actually playing today. We're not going to have today's date of the game just started against Arizona. But looking back to that game yesterday, uh, I, I should mention Adam Bokefist, another guy kind of like Corpusalo, who I'd sort of given up on, which is maybe unfair because Bokefist is obviously even uh, not an old man like Corpusalo. I think Bokefist is what, like 22 or something? Uh, so he had a goal versus Dallas, bringing him to four points in his last three games. He is on the top power play on this team for the rest of the year with Wierenski out. And he was the eighth overall pick. In 
in 2018. So maybe he was just a slow starter, but maybe Adam Boakfast is actually breaking out. And like Corpusalo, he's someone you probably want to get on your team right now. Like uh, top power play quarterbacks, defensemen don't grow on trees. They're hard to find. And Boakfast is probably available in a lot of your free agencies and he's doing well now. He is. Uh, I would be surprised if this is like really the start of something new for Boakvist, though. I'm a little more open-minded on Corpusalo, like where this is a moment he could really build on. And for Boakvist, I'm just like, yeah, this seems pretty random. Uh, he's scored two goals. This is Boakvist on his last four shots and then has added two power play assists, which is great uh, on the power play. But like the five on five production just isn't there. And it's not there to the extent that even with half decent power play production which i think is all we could probably expect from Bokefist. i don't know that he'd still be rostable even at that point because he really doesn't do very much else at all this is Bokefist. you mentioned elon he is 22 years old so there's still room to grow this is his fourth season already um but there is still room to grow so i won't rule anything out but the only reason that Bokefist is pacing above 40 points right now for the first time ever is variance friendly variance I think. And last year, Bokvist had friendly variants, and he still finished in the mid-30 point pace. He had 11 goals last year on 64 shots. He shot 17% last year, and those 64 shots came in 52 games. Like, just a... This this guy's a weird a weird producer, a weird guy to keep track of. I, I, I hope for the best, but I'm not, I'm not seeing anything to really sink my teeth into yet. But what about just the fact that, compared to last year, he's the top power play quarterback? Like, that's a really nice... Uh, deployment situation of course maybe not as nice now with johnny gaudreau injured he's missing a second straight game today Uh, i don't think we know the extent yet of how bad that is but still i mean like i said top power play guys i think i'd grab okay i grabbed him in cupful but bokvist has had turns on the top power play and not done a whole lot with it and of course like he he's there only temporarily because wawrenski is gonna be back eventually yeah. yeah, I get yeah, your point. Learning. Like he's yeah. done it. He's had opportunities before. Like in Chicago, he had opportunities when he was like a teenager. But uh, I just feel like uh, he was he was at drafted eighth overall for a reason, and maybe he just needed some time. But I think when a player is getting an opportunity like that, it's not something I'm going to sneeze at. Like last week, we were talking about Yusuf Valamaki looking interesting in Arizona uh, because he was on the top power play. So I don't see why we shouldn't be at least as excited about Adam Bokfist now, if not a lot more, because Valamaki is probably bumped today because uh, Shane Gossespeher is back and Bokfist isn't getting bumped by anyone unless all of a sudden miraculously Zach Wierenski returns, but he's already been announced to be out for the season. Just my opinion. Yeah. How did, um, you know, I, I checked in on Valamaki early in the week and he hadn't done anything. Like when, because last week we were like, yeah, you should go get him and see where this goes. So now that it's over, oh yeah, just one assist in three games. And he's he's got Columbus tonight. So we'll see if anything comes. But he did not build on that huge uh, outburst he had where that four point night against St. Louis, fought, which was preceded by two other games where he pointed and shot a lot. So too bad. Uh, that Yusuf Alamaki, this is this is all we're getting. Although he did play like 25 minutes. That's big. Yeah. So we'll see now with uh, Goss's pair back if that like just totally makes Falamaki forgettable. Probably you can drop him. We'll see how this game goes today against the Blue Jackets. I guess since we're on Arizona, I could mention that as per like usual lately, Keller, super hot. Uh, his line with Schmaltz and Hayton looking really good. So definitely you want any of those three. There was a week where like I didn't mention Hayton when I should have. So yeah, Barrett Hayton continues to impress. He continues to be someone interesting. You know who's not that interesting on Arizona? Uh, just switching over to them quickly. Uh, Carol Carol Melka really blew it yesterday. Might have cost me my week, actually. A negative. Well, it was against LA. He got pulled after letting in, what was it, like four goals in like 
a couple seconds, five goals on and on 14 shots and then got pulled. And that was a negative 4.8 in a couple points that just got stapled to me. And now I'm in a really tight matchup here and I wish I just had him on my bench. And uh, on the other side, uh, Connor Ingram has been really good lately like earning like there was one game like Vaymelka had a shutout and then the next game Ingram got the start and I was like so frustrated like this is clearly a team that's tanking you were like, so just... mad you tweeted about it you never tweet but you were so <laughs> mad you were like what is this well and, then... I, and when I do tweet it's like I, I'm, I usually don't tweet a negative right I, I, I try to be a positive guy on Twitter and I'll like make fun of things I was just like what is, yeah silly they're clearly tanking since then like ingram's been great every single game vaymelka's had some good games some bad games but at this point it totally makes sense that arizona should go 50 50 which makes me like you know there was a stretch before where vaymelka was on a cold streak and we were kind of like saying i think i'll hold on because he's still going to get the volume i don't see any reason why vaymelka will get because even if he was good we're seeing that arizona would still be giving ingram half the games uh so i think we're at a point now where probably you drop vaymelka and maybe you're interested in ingram at least for spot starts if he's out there he's been really good lately we'll see how he does today against columbus yeah vimelka goes back to a spot start it's not like all is lost like before this this collapse against la vimelka had like uh 935 save percentage the game before was bad but all the games before that nine or a few games before that 943 shut out st louis everybody crushes st louis uh 972 save percentage against vegas like vimelka has still been largely good like he's been good for the most part but yeah he's been trading games with ingram since basically mid-january so if you're looking for volume where vamalk was like yeah you go get him you take the blow you take the bad with the good but there's mostly good now it's uh it's not that scenario anymore so vamalka goes back to spot starter status and connor ingram enters in spot starter status as someone to kind of uh always have ready and available on your watch list yeah, like definitely you're right. Like Vaymelka has been fine. But if it's going to be 50-50, it's really hard to roster someone like that, especially in a league like the Cupful, where, you know, volume is king because it's just total points at the end of the day for fantasy points. Uh, Brian, okay, well, we've gone through a bunch of teams. I still have a lot more I want to talk to you about. So good thing we're still going to hang out for another hour or so. But we're that's going to make it the end of this episode of Keeping Carlson. So hope you've enjoyed part one. And we're going to drop another episode in your feed pretty much like right after this one. So all you need to do right now is go and check your next episode. If you're like, oh, now I have to go click back into the website where I went to go and listen to this. It's podcast, man. You subscribe and then you just get these things automatically. So please subscribe to Keeping Carlson to get this. Get I did a matchup maximizer show yesterday looking at next week's schedule where I think I dropped a, you know, I, I'm, I let you know which teams have good schedules and the players I think are good on those teams. I think it's a very valuable tool if you're in a head-to-head matchup to check out my matchup maximizer every Saturday. Shams, Lewis, Jeremy crushing it on short shifts every week. So you want to be subscribed to our feed. Hopefully you've been enjoying it. By the way, we will take some tweets. We'll take some uh, feedback if you have thoughts on things we could be doing better, uh, you know, on our feed. But yeah, uh, please subscribe uh, and you'll get this next episode, which we'll be recording shortly. So we'll talk to you soon.